Uh, tonight we're talking about uh, the, the tribulation a little bit. We've been talking about these, uh, what we believe. And there are, you know, in, in our doctrinal statement, there are 16 fundamental truths. And since the beginning of the year, we've been working through them and, and talking about these 16 uh, fundamental truths. And we need to build our lives on these truths. We need to have a good understanding of them because we don't want to be a people who are moved by every wind of doctrine. Listen to me. Things cycle. Things come up. And they seem hot. They seem exciting. They seem like they're the answer. And, and a lot of people who are immature go running all over the country chasing after them. And then a year, two years later, they faded into nothing. The truth of God's Word never fades into nothing. God wants to build, a, build us, have us build our lives on a foundation that doesn't waver by every wind of doctrine, but who has a clear doctrinal belief about what we are that comes out of the Word of God. So we've been going over these for the last several months. Some, some we've covered of these 16 fundamentals we've covered in a week. Some have needed more time just to get, you know, we're not diving deep in any of them, but just to get the basics out. It, it takes a little more time than 35 minutes to get the basics out. One of those is this fundamental truth, what we call the blessed hope. Here's what the doctrinal statement says. And, and next week, I hope to have these in next week, we're going to have uh, a flyer with the 16 fundamentals on them that you can take home and kind of read through and study and look at that'll give you a real good overview uh, of all of them. The this is what it says. The, the blessed hope is the resurrection of those who have fallen asleep in Christ and their translation together with those who are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord uh, until, the, until the coming of the Lord is the imminent and blessed hope of the church. The resurrection of those who've fallen asleep and the translation together of those who are alive and remain until the Lord's coming. We, we hope in that. We have great hope in that. The blessed hope is fundamental truth number 13 and is made up of the following ideas. Are you ready for these? One is the resurrection of the believers. Two is the rapture of the church. So those who've fallen asleep in Christ, the resurrection of, their, and the, of the bodies of these people, the, the rapture of the church, the great tribulation, the rule of the Antichrist, and the revelation of Christ. If you were here last week, we talked about these two moments, the rapture of the church when Jesus comes, but he's not revealed to the whole world, but the church is caught away. And then at the end of the, of the tribulation period, the revelation of Christ when he reveals himself to the world and makes war against his enemies. And so all of this gets compacted down into these things. We believe about those who, what do we believe about those who have fallen asleep in Christ? 
So what, what does that mean? What do we believe about those who, who die, those of us who die, and we don't, we don't, we're not here when the, when, when the rapture takes place? Uh, we believe that the spirits and souls of those who have passed away are in the presence of God. If you were there, uh, the, the, the Hebrews talks about this great cloud of witnesses that can see what's going on, that we live our lives in front of them, and that they are witnessing these events on this earth. They're there in the presence of God, but they're interested in what's going on here. I, I believe my dad is interested in what's going on at Calvary Church. He's watching how, how we act. Not, not that he's going to judge, but he's, I think he cheers for us when we do good. And I, maybe he cries out to God when we don't. But I believe, I believe there's a, a, this great cloud of witnesses that is described in Hebrews uh, of their spirits and their souls that are there. At the catching away of the church, it says the dead in Christ will rise first. So we said, well, what does that mean? The, the rapture, the, the rapture church, both in heaven and now, and those who are caught away, both, both the, the, those who have fallen asleep and those who are caught away at the rapture of the church will receive their immortal, their incorruptible bodies. That's one of the things that happens in that moment. The, the immortal bodies of men, get, the, the, the incorruptible body is given to us. The body that, has, that death has no sway over in any way. It doesn't begin to corrupt. It, it, your feet don't hurt anymore. Your back doesn't hurt anymore. Your eyes see clearly. You think clearly. Uh, all of the, the corruption that this world puts on our bodies gone. Gone. And, and so that's what happens at the rapture uh, of the church in that, in that very simple moment. This happens before the judgment seat of Christ, which is one of the things that takes place, we believe, during this period of time between the rapture of the church, the catching away of the church, and the revelation of Christ to the world. And it's this judgment seat that all of us should live in consciousness of. We rejoice in our salvation. We rest in our salvation. We don't try to work out our salvation. You can't do it. But we are all called. We're told in the Scripture that God prepared works for us in advance there are things we're supposed to be doing. The purpose of the of pastors and prophets and apostles in, in Ephesians chapter 4 is to prepare God's people for what? Anybody know? Works of service. We're supposed to be doing something for the kingdom. That's why I talked to you tonight about, hey, find that evangelistic thing that works for you and begin to do it. Don't do it under threat of, oh, man, I've I witnessed to somebody and they didn't get saved. I, I, I guess I'm just not gifted at that. No, you're gifted at that. God wants every believer to be a witness. This isn't an individual gift. This is a corporate calling. I've got to understand the difference. 
There are corporate callings. All of us are called to worship. All of us are called to pray. Hold on your seats. All of us are are called to give our tithe. We're all called to do that. All of us are called to be a witness. All of us are called to develop the fruit of the Spirit in our lives. There's things we're all, we're all called to read the Bible, to know the Bible, to plant the Bible and the Word of God deep in our heart. That is a, those are corporate callings for everybody. Then there are individual giftings that we discover. Again, this is why we do starting point so that you can go in Learn about it, your individual gifting. Take an assessment and begin to work out what your individual gifting is and begin to discover and walk confidently in it. You should be able to name what your giftings are. And so at the judgment seat of Christ, all of those things are going to be judged. It's interesting. Every word that's come out of our mouth. So think back over the past week. How's the past week going to go for you? Every word that comes out of your mouth is going to be judged. Every attitude is going to be judged. Our sins of commission are going to be judged. Listen, our sins of omission, you understand that? Just to be clear, the things we should have done that we didn't do are going to be judged. Time God nudged us and we ignored it. The attitude that we held on to, they told us to surrender. The things we omitted and the things we did, all of them are going to be judged at that point in time. And we want to stand before God, having developed in faith, having grown in faith, having become like Christ in every way. That's what equip is all about, is to disciple us into the image of Christ. We're going to keep doing that more and more as we walk through this next summer. So, all that happens at the judgment seat. Now, while all, those, all that event, all the events that we've spoken of in the last few weeks take place in heaven, things are going on here. The great tribulation takes place on earth. In Daniel chapter 12, it says, At that time shall arise Michael, the great prince who has charge of your people, and there shall be a time of trouble such as never been seen since has never been, has never been since there was a nation till that time but at that time your people shall be delivered every one whose name shall be found written in the book this is talking about the, oh, those of us who are saved we're delivered from that time but we're, there's going to be a, a time of trouble upon this earth as has never been seen before now friends there's been some big trouble in the world hasn't there you think about some of the world wars and some of the things that have happened? And the Bible says something worse than anything you've ever seen before is coming. Matthew chapter 24. For then there will be a great, verse 21, there will be, a, there will be great tribulation, such as not been from the beginning of the world until now. No, and never will be. And if those days had not been cut short, no human being would be saved. But for the sake of the elect, those days will be cut short. Now, what's he, who's he talking about? There will be people during the tribulation time, as we've mentioned in the last few weeks, who will figure this thing out. 
They'll go, oh, crazy, my crazy Uncle Dan was right. There'll be people who'll figure it out and they'll, they'll, choose, and they'll cry out to God and they'll go, they got big trouble. They got big trouble. But they can, they, they can come to Christ. Probably have to shed their blood for the sake of Christ. So, uh, then if anyone says to you, look, here is the Christ. This is a, such a key scripture. This is not only true then, it's true now. Look, here is the Christ. Or there he is. Do not believe it. Do not believe it. For false Christs and false prophets will arise, and listen, and perform great signs and wonders so as to lead astray, if possible, even the elect. This is true for us today. The enemy will send people with great charisma, uh, doing things that look like great miracles, to deceive us if our doctrine isn't solid. So we have to be careful. See, I've told you beforehand, so if they say to you, look, he's in the wilderness, do not go out. If they say, look, he is in the inner rooms, do not believe it. For as the lightning comes from the east and shines as far as the west, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. Wherever the corpse is, there, there the vultures will gather. Immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light and the stars will fall, fall from heaven and the powers of, hev of the heavens will be shaken. What's he, what's he talking about? He said, the day's going to come, and I believe this, these things are happening even today and, and no place in the world where they're happening, where people will rise up and claim that they're the Christ and they'll have power and they'll do things. In that day, it'll be extreme power. And he says, listen, that's not the way the Son of Man's coming the next time. He's not coming that way the next time. He's going to come like lightning to catch away the believers. That's the next appearance. Of, that's the next time Christ shows up on this. So you're not going to have to be worried about where is he or what's going on. He's coming looking for you next time if you're a believer. He's coming looking for you. Now, this is a time of the judgment of God. This tribulation time is a time of the judgment of God. Remember last week we talked about the wrath. There's the wrath of Satan that we have to endure, pray against, resist, and not be surprised when it comes our way. There's the wrath of men and women who, when, they just, when, when, when we're a Christian, they, they, won't, they can't leave it alone because the enemy's stirring in them. And those wraths, we have to endure faithfully. We have brothers and sisters around the world today who are in prison. We have them that are being tortured. We have brothers and sisters who are losing their lives for the sake of the kingdom. We should be praying for them, and we should be rejoicing in our freedoms. Because what we usually get cut out of is a party here or there, made fun of every once in a while. That's our great test. But we have brothers and sisters whose lives are on the line every week, and we should pray for them. In this hour, we endure, and we believe the Spirit of God gives us the strength to endure. But in that day, it's going to be the wrath of God. Revelation 6 through 19, 
go on to talk about the judgments being poured out on the earth. If you want to read some scary stuff, read, read Revelation 6 through 19 and what's going to be going on on this earth and the things that are going to be, take, that are going to be taking place. No one can hide or escape these judgments. And yet, listen, they know it's the judgment of God. It's very openly the judgment of God. And yet, the majority of mankind still does not repent. That's kind of wild, isn't it? This is the wrath of God for, for mankind's rejection of him. Now, there's going to be an earthly leader, as we, as we know, that we know of as the Antichrist. Now, anti in the Greek, in this passage, in these passages, when they talk about the Antichrist, means instead of or in place of. Instead of or in place of. He will not present himself as Antichrist. He will present himself as the real Christ. And I believe he's going to point away from himself to another for us to worship, for mankind to worship. Now, after the church is removed, the church is no longer here, and the Antichrist begins to really reveal himself, discernment's gone. There's no discernment. People's going to buy into it. Restraint is gone. Restraint against evil is gone. Evil will be free. Do you understand that it's part of our job to pray against evil? It's part of our job to be a witness against evil. It's part of the church's job. How are we to pray? Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. This is a continuing prayer. It goes on and talks about deliver us from the evil one. We're supposed to be praying, God, over my, over my home, over my life, let your kingdom come. You got trouble in your workplace? God, I'm going to start praying. Let your kingdom, let your will be done in my workplace. In our, in our country today, the church desperately needs to be praying, God, let your will be done. Resist, we're going, we resist the enemy. And when the church doesn't do that, then the enemy has freedom to move. I believe this is one of the reasons why some children grow up and don't follow after Christ. It's not because their parents were bad. It's because they, didn't, they never slammed the door shut. In some cases. Every case is different. But in many, many cases, we need to be praying, God, over my children, do not let the enemy have influence. I pray that today. Most of my children are grown. I pray that today. God, today, don't let the enemy have influence in their life. Shut him up. We resist him today. We stand against him today. Let your will be done in their lives. Not, not, so this is one of the things we need to be praying for. The Antichrist will come with the answers to the world's problems. He's going to have all the things that are going on at that. He's going to have an answer for it. And the world is going to receive him and rejoice 
that an, uh, somebody with an answer has come. He will make peace with Israel, but he will call wrong right, and he will call right wrong. And the world, listen, the world will want it that way. He will be so pro-homosexual. In fact, there's a scripture, I believe it's in Daniel, that alludes to the fact that he has given up the way of man with women, which indicates he may be a homosexual. And so he will be very pro all sexual immorality. And that'll be a, there'll be a growing acceptance of those things. And, the, and it, about three and a half years into this thing, he will turn on a dime on Israel. Because God's going to let, listen, God's going to let some things happen in Israel that's going to make them, their eyes open up and many of them will cry out to Christ. Many of them will cry out to Christ during that time. At some point, as the enemy turns against Israel and the judgments of God will begin in real earnestness and it will be clearly God and finally will come after this terrible period that the, that the Bible says is worse than anything the world's ever seen, the revelation of Christ will come. He will return with his saints and destroy his enemies. Revelation chapter 19 says, Then I saw heaven open, and behold, a white horse. The one sitting on it is called Faithful and True. Now, this white horse thing is important. We see Jesus going into Jerusalem before the crucifixion on, it, on what? That, that's the way Israeli kings rode in peace. He came in peace. When they were going to war, guess what they rode? Horses. He's coming this time to put things right. He's offered peace. The world's rejected his peace. And now he's going to straighten the mess out. He's going to come and put things in right. right. The one sitting on it is called faithful and true. Who's that? Jesus. And in righteousness... He judges and makes war. His eyes are like the flame of fire, and on his head are many diadems, and he has a name written that no one knows but he himself. He is clothed in a robe dipped in blood, and the name by which he is called is the Word of God. And the armies of heaven arrayed in fine linen, white and pure, were following him on white horses. From his mouth comes a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations, and he will rule them with a rod iron. He will tread the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God the Almighty. On his robe and on his thigh he has a name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. Now, friends, I remember I used to hear about, oh, we're going to come, the armies of God are going to come, and I was thinking, oh, we're going to come and wage war. We're not going to wait. We're going to... We're going to be spectators. We're going to watch him wage war. We're going to see the Almighty One do what only the Almighty. Those who have chosen evil, who have chosen rejection of God, who have chosen to give up the consciousness of their spirit and the 
call of the Word of God and the revelation of the heavenlies around us that there is one God and one order who reject all of those things, even though the Spirit of God has called to them. You know, when I hear stories like this, like this man and Dr. Taylor's uh, father, I'm reminded that God has a plan for every person to reveal himself to him. God has a plan for every person. We're part of that plan. We need to be part of it. We need to, we need to do our part. But God has a plan to reveal himself. And man ha mankind has to make a decision. Will they accept or will they not? I'm just going to tell you, there's a, there's a doctrine out there that talks about irresistible grace. And what it means is this. It means that those who are supposed to get saved will get saved because God's grace will move on them and it's irresistible and they can't do anything about it. And there are other people who are lost and they will, they'll never get... Listen, I know really smart people who believe that. I just don't believe it at all. I believe it's God's will that all men be saved, that His Spirit draws all men, but God's given us a free will to choose, will I follow Him or won't I? And in this moment, friend, every one of us have that choice. Will I follow him or won't I? You have that choice in obedience to him. Will you follow him or won't you? Will you pray or won't you? Will you worship or won't you? Will you witness or won't you? Will you clean up your life or won't you? We have that choice. And when Christ comes, he's going to deal with those who've made a choice to reject him. Made a choice turn their back on because they want to live another way. And so we've got to understand, this is what happens. Our blessed hope is that, the, that Christ is going to return, that those who have passed from this earth, who are asleep in him, that their spirits and souls will be reconnected with a, with a new incorruptible body, that we in a second will leave this earth in a split moment if we're still here on this earth, and all of a sudden we'll have a new body, and we'll go to heaven and have a party for about seven years. Have some judgment. Get some rewards. Lose some things. You know, I want some rewards, don't you? God's wired us up to be rewarded. He wants, us to, he wants to reward us, and he wants us to want the rewards. And then he's going to come and fix this mess. Even so, Lord Jesus, come quickly. Amen? Now, here's the deal. Whenever we come to a lesson, it's so important that we let the Spirit of God speak to us and say, okay, God, what is this saying to me? God doesn't just give us knowledge so we can walk around with a head full of stuff that we know. His knowledge is supposed to move us to action. So when we think about this, it's supposed to convict us and move us to salvation. It's supposed to. It's called our blessed hope because it's supposed to produce hope in us. We're thinking about it. We think about this messy world that we're in. We think about the pain and the suffering of this world and what's supposed to, hey, 
yeah, that hurts. I don't like that. That was bad. I've lost this loved one. This has taken place in my life. That's gone on in my life. But I've got a hope. I've got a hope. I hope they're before God right now. I believe that. Jesus is coming someday, and maybe I'll be one of those who gets to go through the air. If not, I'll go, before, I'll go stand before him and wait for, the, for, him, for him to to, send, to come and rapture the church, so I'll get a new incorruptible body in a moment. But we have hope. Amen. We have hope. No matter what our situation is, you think about Christians who are being martyred around this world. They have hope. They know that when they die, their hope is that their spirit will go and stand before God. This is why Paul said to live is Christ to die is gain. They, they're going to get martyrs' crowns in heaven. When they stand before the judgment seat and they're a martyr, there's a crown coming out just for that. Just for that. They're going to get that and they're going to walk in that through eternity. Through eternity. And so we're supposed to hold on to this and let hope. You got troubles? Yeah, most of us do. Most of us do. We got things we're not, but we also have hope. Don't let the troubles rule you. Let the blessed hope rule you. Amen? Can we just stand and come down around the altar and close tonight? Dan, let's, let's sing a song and let's worship God. I know this is supposed to be teaching time, but I, I, I want us to just in, incorporate into our spirit. Amen? If you're, if you're struggling with hope tonight, just say, Lord, let's let this reign in me. Let this reign in me. Let me know who you are. And maybe God's going to speak to you about, hey, there's some things I want you to do. I, I want to share a testimony with you. And I, just give me a minute to share this with you. Back in the early 1900s, you've heard me mention this before, the Assemblies of God, a bunch of churches across the nation, a bunch of people, men, leaders, men and women, were filled with the Holy Spirit. Many of them were kicked out of their churches. Uh, they were looked down upon. They began to form churches of other people who were seeking the Spirit and the people who were being filled with the Spirit. And, and they decided to get together down in Hot Springs, Arkansas for the, what's now the first general council of the Assemblies of God, and they met down there. A few months later, they met up in Chicago, Illinois. The first, the first discussion was about do we need to even form a fellowship and by the second one, it was, okay, what are, what are we supposed to be? And they came out of that fellowship with this statement. I can't quote it exactly. I need to get it exactly for you. Where they said, you know, it's our vision to start the largest, the greatest evangelistic effort in the history of the world. And it was all about missions and sending missionaries around the world. And they began to to go about that process and to work at that uh, from that day forward. Sometimes, and most of the times in those days in, in churches with very little money, very little resources, but they began to send out missionaries. Now, I want you to capture this. Fifty years ago, they shared these statistics with us today. Fifty years ago, 1967, the Assemblies of God had 26,000 churches nationwide. So from the early 1900s to 1967, they had 
26,000 churches nationwide. From 1967 to today, we have 380,000 churches around the world. Praise God. That group of 300 men and women have now grown into 69 million Assembly of God adherents worldwide. 69 million. It'd make, what do you say? I think he said 21st largest country in the world if we were set apart as a country. If men will follow God's plan, be obedient to God, God will do his work among us and move in might and power among us. They, they, show, they shared some things with us uh, about things going on in the Muslim world that we can't share a lot of with you, but I'm telling you, God is moving in miraculous, amazing, and miraculous ways uh, all around the world. And we, we have this time, friend, where we can do the work of the kingdom of God. And we need to do the work of the kingdom of God diligently and faithfully and reach out to people all through our country and through our world. God wants to use you to be a soul. It's not too late for America. It's not too late for America. We were at a real precipice. And, and you know, I, I, I try not to say a lot of things, but I'm just going to tell you, if, if you, you need to read Hillary's book, you need to understand what she, what she was saying. She was at a point where this is what was, what, was, what was really beginning to go on in America, where you could say anything you wanted to in your church, but you couldn't anyplace else. We were really at a point where it was looking like, our, well, it wasn't looking like, our schools, our colleges and universities were coming under threat of religious freedom, where they were telling them, you must, you know, they're trying to, there were some court cases going on that, I'm just telling you, Hillary would have pursued to tell our colleges, you must hire people who are same-sex couples. You must not speak against that. Religious freedom was really under attack. God-loving, President Obama was moving us that way. Now, I don't, do I think President Trump is perfect? No, I think we pray for him every day. Yeah. Every day. But at least he's not going down that path. He's got a lot of faults, a lot of things that he needs. Our, God help the man. To, 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 just like we should have been praying for President Obama. But we, our ears need to be open. Our, our ears need to be open. There's a court case they believe will come up in the next few months with one of our universities where Chi Alpha, which is the Assemblies of God uh, campus ministry, was kicked off of campus because some leaders on that campus went and understood they were associated with the Assemblies of God, looked at the doctrines of the Assemblies of God, especially around same-sex marriage and those things, and said, this doesn't fit with our culture, and kicked them off campus. And so now this is beginning to work its way. They're now in, in discussions with this university. Lawyers are in discussion. If they don't 
come along and do what's right, it's going to end up in court because it's a clear-cut case where they've looked at our religious beliefs and said, you can't be that here. You can't be that here. And, you know, there's, there's, a, good, there's a good chance this will go up through the court system and this will make a huge difference in the freedoms in America, uh, how, that, how that gets ruled on. And so, again, I just tell you, if the other side, if, if, if Hillary had been appointing Supreme Court justices, we'd have been sunk. Now, you may say, oh, I love Hillary. I'm just telling you, you need to read what she says. We can love her and pray for her. We can love her and pray for her. But we better know what these people are saying. It's also your pro Trump. No, I think Trump's got his own set of issues. He's got his own set of issues. We need to be praying for him. This isn't about one side or the other. I'm not a Republican. I'm not a Democrat. I'm a Christian. That's what I am. And when Republicans go against the kingdom of God, we need to resist them. When Democrats go against the kingdom of God, we need to resist them. We need to be for the kingdom of God. It's the only thing that will heal our country. Amen? So you pray for me that I'll have wisdom to know how to help people see that. And if you're mad at me, you're mad at me, just show me where I'm wrong. I'll repent if I'm wrong, but I'm telling you I'm not wrong. I'm telling you, I've, I've looked at these things. I know I'm just, we need to be careful today. Amen? Lord, bless this congregation. Lord, fill us with your will. Lord, we hear these things. We see what's going on in our world today, and it seems like your, your coming could be any moment, and we'd be glad if it was before we walked out the doors. So, Lord Jesus, come quickly. But in the meantime, help us to be faithful to your cause, not to be fooled by this world. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Go in the name of the Lord. May his joy be in your heart today.